And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We are back in our normal environments. I just got back from Atlanta from SEC Media Days. It was a whirlwind of fun and frivolity. No, Ari, everybody made the pledge to be super boring at SEC Media Days. Yeah, uh, except you and your svelte maroon blazer, pal. Hell yeah. Looking well, real. I showed that to Britt and she was like, wow. I've never been able to buy off the rack before. The, the story behind that one, the, the maroon blazer is. That's a Nick Saban blazer. I had well, I had to I had to do something. I had to there was something at the kids' school and I had to dress up for it. And I realized none of my suit jackets fit me anymore. And my wife's like, go go get something from the from the mall. And I'm like, I can't do that. I've never I've never been able to fit anything off the rack. She's like, you probably will now, so try it. And I did and just lucked into one that was actually on sale for $51. You got that for 51 bucks? $51. That's right. Wow. And didn't pay a cent to alter it, which is normally another big part of the car. Just dumb luck that it, that the sleeves were the right length. The, the gut was right. Well, can you it, give it, us the store right. or is that, too, is that express? Look at that. Look at yeah, that. Nothing Look fancy about it, but, but it looks right. And, and I will tell you what I'm learning is you don't have to spend a lot of money on clothes. If, if you're skinny, you put, a, you put a better body in the clothes. Like, yeah. Also, it's crazy. it's crazy how good uh, non-expensive clothes look when you have a good when you have a good body. Well, it's 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 amazing because you know, like before, I, like I said, I couldn't buy off the rack, so it was pretty expensive if I wanted a, a just a navy blazer. And yeah, we don't have to wear suits to work every day, but you got to have some something you can wear for a, mm-hmm. a dressy occasion, or if you got to go on TV. And that could get expensive when you, when yeah. you couldn't just buy something and have it altered. So I was my uh, favorite comment about it, other than Brit sweating when she was looking at you, <laughs> um, was the person saying, "Well, he couldn't wear a blue or an orange blazer because people would assume that he's a Florida homer." And I was just picturing you in a bright orange blazer. And I think we need to we need to get you one. Well, that may be a bet right there. Yeah, I, yeah, and you have I to wear it imagine... to your SEC media days. If I wasn't the coach at Tennessee or Texas, well, those are and those are actually fairly unique oranges. The, yes. the Tennessee orange is the color of the daisies that grew on the hill, and Texas is obviously burnt, obviously burnt orange. So, I like if if I wasn't the coach at Florida or Syracuse or a school that had a like traditional, I guess Auburn would work. A school that had a traditional orange in its in its color pattern, I just don't know when you would ever wear that orange blazer that's just yeah. that just doesn't work orange like the blue of course now royal blue like florida's blue i don't know that that's that's a little strong too like the navy blue that auburn has that's perfect there are some pretty handsome men wearing orange blazers that are making it work i bet you you could make it work i, but I, I was i was just picturing because i'm looking at uh, well i did type in orange blazer into google images 
and it's 85% females blazers, but, <laughs> but the 15% male blazers are sharp. And I think I, I, well, I remember in my brain, and maybe I'm making it up in my brain, but there is one of Lane Kiffin wearing one when he was I, the head I'm coach sure at Tennessee, did. and I think he looked well, sharp. So and Derek, Derek Dooley had the orange pants. Those were those were yeah. sweet. Yeah. So you know, you got to have some wardrobe goals. But I just was laughing thinking about you just showing up in a bright. It was like the Dumb and Dumber suit jacket. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but you need the ruffle shirt to go yeah. with that. And so who I, would you be uh, slapping canes with on the way into Atlanta? You of course. It'd be me, right? I gotta get yeah. a, a baby blue one, and we'll just yeah, maybe next year. We should, next year we should in do that for yeah. We should do that for next year for SEC because that would liven it up because. SEC Media Days, like Nick Saban told us going into his, his interview session, I'm going to try not to make any news. And he succeeded. Well, that so, was, that's probably just a, a, a lesson learned in the immediate well, future. Well, that's what you and I need to go together and just make our own fun. Like we, we will be the party and, yeah. and we, will, we will go down Radio Row in tandem in our orange and, and baby blue suits and be like, listen. We are we are guests for your radio show, for your podcast. What we're, do you need? We're here to mess things up, and then you, you know, fist pump, and then we go in separate directions. We could be the stepbrothers and the Dumb and Dumber friends we, in the same in the same media event. Hundred percent could, <laughs> but but you know who could have worn an orange blazer today, and it would have matched his vibe coming in super hot. That's Brian Harson. Brian yeah. Har- This is how Brian Harson led off. His SEC Media Days appearance, and, and, and note, usually the last day is super boring. And after three very boring days, I figured it'd be even worse. But no, Brian Harson made the whole trip worth it. There was an inquiry. It was uncomfortable. It was unfounded. Uh, and it uh, presented an opportunity for people to you know, personally attack me, my family, uh, and also our program. And, and it didn't work. So... Right now, uh, our focus is on moving forward. And what came out of that inquiry uh, were a lot of positive. There was a silver lining in all of this because what I saw from our players and our coaches was leadership opportunities for them to step up, which is exactly what they did. And it didn't work. Yeah. You want to fire me, you're going to pay me $18 million. Yeah, I mean, good for him. What would that. you have done? I would have done the same I, thing. I, I would have done that, and I, I am so... I am rooting for him so much. And I wrote, this is the column that I wrote because I think if you are, if you have no dog in the hunt in this situation, you are rooting for Brian Harson to just double middle finger those people that tried to oust him and, and tried to smear him. Like, and, and given the situation, like you kind of want him to be like Peter in office space, like, Play damn it feels good to be a gangster. Come in, dismantle yeah. all the cubicles, gut a fish at gut your desk. Fish on your desk. Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh I think it's crazy because it's like such a double-edged sword here. Because on one hand, you want him to go out and just like rock shit and win a bunch of games and stuff. And um, you know, at the same time, uh if he does that, then you're rewarding the people that were uh, you know, kind of behind that whole thing. Um right. Right. So they, like, they, it's like, they, what do you want? The like, they, they crave. But like but, at the same time, too, it's almost like you want him to fail because then the people that were in that position have, uh, to, pay have to pay him up and they they don't get the beautiful winning program that they deserve. So or that they think they deserve. So but they might weird if they have losing. to pay him up. They might luck into another good coach like that. That's the thing. It's Auburn. 
Like, and and part of this is is the fault of Alan Green, the athletic director who hired Brian Harson, who clearly didn't understand the job he was hiring for. Because when the person says, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna out evaluate, out develop Nick Saban and Kirby Smart," um, that's when you walk out and you're right, like, right. "Nice meeting you, bye." But he hired him, and that happened. And if I'm Brian Harson, I'm not gonna turn the job down. And if you I'm and if you remember, Andy, like when we did the the coaching rankings uh, a few months ago with Ubbin on the podcast, I put Auburn last in the SEC just to prove a point that like I just can't stand what happened to him. Like I feel bad for him. I want him to prosper. And the fact of the matter is, and I said it before is it's not his fault. You hired him. What did you think he was going to do? Like this was your mess up. Mm -hmm. And then to like torpedo him after you messed up in order to try to get out of it. And then for it not to work, you put your program that you supposedly love so much in, in a ton of danger because their recruiting results have suffered as a result of it. Cause nobody expects him to be the coach a year from now. And, the program in general just is in a much worse position. So it's just a, it's just a mess, man. Like, it's let me a, ask it's a you mess. this, Ari, if you're an Auburn fan, cause I said, if you don't have a dog in the hunt, you're definitely rooting for Brian Harson in this situation. Yeah, I'm rooting for He's, him. I don't have a is, dog in the hunt. And I'm he is the wrong person in this situation. Yes. But if you're an Auburn fan, what do you want to happen? Because if Brian Harson wins enough games to keep his job, you're Which looking is at how many, uh, I think it probably has to be quite a few, and given that schedule, it's almost their schedule impossible. is brutal. Like, yes, I mean, what what is quite a few though? Because I think eight would be quite a few on that schedule. I I think eight would be. I, I don't think eight's enough because they've already put it, you know, put him behind the eight ball. But if but if he wins eight games Nine? on that schedule, I think that I would keep him in a normal situation. What, what, like with, a, in a semi-normal functional class, scenario, and, and knowing yeah, and the, knowing how he yeah. feels about recruiting. That's the that's the danger, man. It's like how much. And I'm always the one that everybody hates in the the podcast reviews for talking about recruiting in this in this light. But how much do you weigh recruiting rankings when you're making coaching decisions? I think it's really really important factor. And I've said this before, and you know I don't want to shout out Ralph Russo two weeks in a row, but he thinks it's insane when I say I'd rather lose two or three more games and have a, a better recruiting class than win eight or nine games Ari, and have a this bad is, one. This is this is a program that expects to compete for SEC titles. So you in this case, that nine wins does got to do both. <laughs> yeah, no, but right. But nine wins for them is no different than six or seven wins um, because it's a failure of a season, right? Like, I think that people think that a nine win season is like something to hang your hat on. So if yeah, you that, that gets coaches fired at these types of schools, that, so that, at this like, type of yeah. school that, you know, you need to, to actually, uh, you know, do both, like you said, but you know, when you say things like win enough games to keep his job, I mean, do you mean like competing I mean like to win 10. the SEC? I mean like 10. And, so you, and that's so this the is thing. a team that's going to compete for the SEC and no. maybe lose to Bama at the end of the year? It's not. No, but that's, the, but that's what they have to be to keep his job? Yes. So basically he's probably just torpedoing the, the SEC media days because he knows the score, we know the score. Sure. And it's, and it's like not even like a Jim Harbaugh scenario because like the – you know, last year coming into it, it's like Jim Harbaugh better do this or he's going to be in big trouble. And it's like he went out and did it. But like Jim Harbaugh doing what he did wasn't like in- legitimately impossible. Like this is actually impossible. It, it is pretty much. Now they have five home games to start the season, which is, is pretty crazy. Two of those are Penn State and LSU, though. So if you're you're going to you got to win one of those. You don't want to be yeah. three and two coming out of that because then it gets 
very hairy because you're you're on the road. You're dealing with with Ole Miss and and Georgia and Mississippi State away. You've got uh, Texas A and M at home. Um, I believe. Oh, you have Arkansas in that stretch. I believe too. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it gets real after that. So we'll we'll probably have an idea by late October where where they're sitting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we'll probably have a better idea, you know, sooner than that. To be honest, you know, I think that Penn State game comes up real fast on that schedule, and it'll be very interesting to see. Well, how they you do. should you should beat Penn State this year if you're if you're pretty good. Because yeah. as, as you've said, this is this is the year to get Penn State. Like you probably don't want to see them next year or the year after that. That's what I'm saying. Like they can yeah. win these games and you know, I don't know. It's such a it is kind of like a very unique scenario. Like I don't know that there's another one that I can even point to um to draw parallels to, you know, the the position that he's in, um, that is making it impossible for him to recruit. And then you want to fire him for a recruiting class that he probably can't do any better at because of right. the situation you've that he was put in. Him. Right. You've kneecapped they, him. And, it's like and cutting him off so, of the knees and getting mad at him because he can't run a 40. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, exactly. you know, um, I, I feel I feel for him. And I wonder when he moves on from Auburn, when that inevitably happens, if he can get another job that's more suited for his skill set and land back on his feet because I, I think, think he's a good coach. I think if he handles this well and those two, the, the players play hard for him and, and talking to the player, like John Samuel Schenker and Derek Hall, the, the two of the three they brought, and Tank Bigsby was, was complimentary as well, but but John Samuel Schenker and Derek Hall went to the president when all that was going on. We're like, and there, was a, there was a group of them and, the, and they were in that group. And they were like, listen, guys, this is ridiculous. This is a good man. He's a good coach. He treats us well. Stop this. And yeah. so that's where I they will play hard for him. And I think that will help him with whatever comes next. Yeah. So what grade do you give him for SEC Media Day? Oh, I give I give him well you you give, him to, to <laughs> give him a 10? Give him a 10. 10. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I have to because if I'm grading on the curve of everybody else, like it, it it started and ended well. It didn't end. Jimbo Fisher was the last guy to talk, and he and Josh Heupel, neither of them had much to say. But it started with Greg Sankey with a lot of "I told you so"s to his fellow commissioners, and mm-hmm. then it did it did close out on a on a high note with with Brian Harson. But speaking of the fellow commissioners, we we haven't had a chance to talk since Jim Phillips got up at ACC Media Days and and began talking about gated communities and. HOAs and all manner of, I, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but he did say all options were on the table for the ACC, which I'm not sure what those are. You heard about the the potential partnership with the PAC 12, which still, I, I can't quite wrap my brain around what those two would do together, but maybe. Uh, and and he talks about different revenue generation strategies. I, I just I need to see something specific because all of it sounded very vague and general. Yeah, you know, when you try to piece it together, just like how does that work? Well, like, I, even, I, like what what, is, what does that even look like an ACC Pac twelve partnership? Well, the one that was floated out there earlier was like you fold the Pac twelve network, you put Pac twelve games on the ACC network, so you cause that to get picked up by cable systems out West and put on their, you know, expanded basics so that, and you jack up the, the subscription fee in the footprint of, of where the teams are. So you, you know, you could do that in Seattle and you could do it in Portland and you could do it in the Bay area. 
So like, I get where that, how that works and how there's, there's some money in that. But how do you split the money? Do you give that money to the ACC because you're using their platform to do it? Or does that money go to the Pac-12 schools? Because if it does, the ACC schools are like, hey, that's our network. What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense. But now the one that does make sense. But you're also kind of banking on Oregon and Washington and Bowie that whole thing too, right? Because if you take those two oh, yeah. out of the equation, then like you don't even have a well, that, that really gets into our whole stand on. Big yeah. 12, Pac-12 discussion that we've had a billion times already. And right. we don't need to have it again. Eventually, that's going to come to a head. Either either the Pac-12 schools will decide they want to just stay together as 10 and see what happens. And maybe Oregon and Washington will leave and maybe they won't. Or one of them, two of them panic, join the Big 12, and then the Big 12 takes what it, what it wants. Right. That's That's sort of the two options at this point. But... With the ACC, the one thing I have heard, and I heard this before Jim Phillips talked at ACC Media, this was something I heard from somebody at one of the schools, they have talked about an uneven revenue distribution where the, the schools that are more successful get more money. And this is, this is you know, the Clemsons, Florida State, when Florida State was a, a national title contender type mm -hmm. team. If Miami were to become a national title contender, um, you know, back when Virginia tech was winning the league all the time, that type of success where, where they would get a, an outsized share compared to everybody else. But I, I will say the so history like when you have a roommate and there's a master bedroom and a regular bedroom yes. that the, the, the roommate with the master bedroom has to pay more. <laughs> That's exactly right. It, you get the, you get the bedroom with the bathroom and the other two roommates have to share the bathroom. So Wake Forest and Duke, you're sharing a bathroom. <laughs> Clemson, you get your own bathroom. Clemson's got the master with the walk-in closet. I love how, how Jim Phillips talks gated communities, and, and we've reduced it to, like, sharing a crappy apartment. I've had a, I've had a dispute uh, about that in the past with a friend. Who, who among us hasn't? Yeah, you know, back in those days of making a cool 23 grand a year uh you know trying to make it in journalism what, what in, are you gonna in, do in college i went from a share of the bathroom to the following year i got my own bathroom there is nothing more uh important like to me than having my own bathroom i'm not surprised by that because the dorm bathroom situation was not for me Oh, that the dorm and I, and I, was, and I was nasty. Period. And I was lucky enough to be in the dorm that was right across the hallway from that bathroom. Mm -hmm. So I had the shortest walk from bathroom to room. What, what, but, you, you, but you, like me, went to college in a less enlightened time when it was this is the boys' room and, and this is the girls' room. There were no co ed bathrooms in the dorms. No, our halls either. were split. But like, yeah, you know, our, ours were too. Yeah. So you could live on the same floor as girls, but the girls. Um, had their own bathroom. Oh, our own live floor. Room. Oh, you could live on the same floor, but there were like double doors in a hallway that would split them. So, like, gotcha. You know, um, I can't even imagine now where they have the co-ed ones. All manner of tomfoolery must go on in those things. Yeah, I actually, my first uh, college fling was with a girl that lived right down the hallway, um, so in across the <laughs> other double like, doors. Dang, different no, no, no. But I learned a lot of life lessons about that. Good to know. Yeah, not not physical lessons. I just mean like lessons about like how close you want to live to a girl that you might not work out with and stuff. <laughs> this is true. Is and a, then later in life, when I was 26 young. years old, I had a crush on another girl who lived in an apartment complex 
or lived in my apartment complex, coincidentally, and I steered clear of it because I learned my lesson. There you go. You don't want to come home every single day and be nervous to bump into somebody every time you come home. Your home is your safe space. <laughs> your you, the, and your the, your bathroom is your safe space. Apparently, yeah, yeah. We really veered off the bathroom thing, but like you know the old saying, "Don't shit where you eat," right? That's exactly right. That's very romantic, Ari. So <laughs> we're talking about bathrooms. We 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 definitely and are. I actually did eat very closely to the bathroom in that scenario because I was right across the hallway. <laughs> it was a crappy apartment. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was a yes. dorm. Yeah. But then yes. at U of A, like U of A had a lot of really, and I don't know what it's like now. I'm sure it's even better. But at U of A, we could live two or three miles away from campus, but they had apartments that were set up. And I had a roommate who I lived with all four years of college, and we had our own rooms and bathrooms, both of us in the same apartment in college. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. Gainesville is the same way. Mostly people live in, in the dorms as freshmen. And, and then, then you move out. Yeah. You run as fast as you can to the apartment complexes, which most of them were pretty nice. And it, back then were very reasonably priced. So you, you could get something pretty nice. Yeah. And at U of A, they had like big pools and stuff. It was like a really nice complex. Oh, so yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. It got, I'm sure it was the same thing in games. The pool, the pool parties were, were legendary. But I don't know how legendary the pool parties are in the ACC. Because uh, I, I, I think Clemson definitely wants its own bathroom. Florida State definitely wants its own bathroom. <laughs> Miami wants its own bathroom. This is... But could you, you fluctuate it? Could you come up with a plan where... Because it's not about how good you are on the field, right? It's about how many people watch your games. Correct. And and But what I was going to say about this before we, uh, we, we went into the toilet is... <laughs> other leagues have done this before. And it always causes problems. Like, the Big 12 had huge problems when it had uneven revenue distribution. The Pac-10 had uneven revenue distribution, and actually evening it out is what ticked off USC because they were used to getting more, and then they were mad. And then Well, the thing they... that makes it tricky, too, is that, you know, what people are entitled to, I think, is fair. Like, if you have certain uh, tentpole programs that routinely, regardless of how good they are on the field that given year, draw the most eyeballs – then yeah. you would think that they would be more entitled to a larger portion of that revenue, right? I think that's a fair right. statement. Well, and, and what like, you're doing, though, at the same time, Andy, is you're creating a larger gap between them and the other teams that play in the same conference because they don't have as much money to spend on resources right. in order to change that. And, so, and, and you're making them want to be in a league that everybody seems to get along. And you don't, wanna, you don't want your roommate to go apartment hunting. Uh, yes. You know, when you are depending on them to pay their portion of the rent. Who do you think would be the most difficult roommates? Do we, I, I, I don't think we do like fan bases. I think we do like head coaches. Like the most difficult. Uh, do, power do, you five. Think, do you think Pat Narduzzi and Jeff Halfley would get along if they had to share a bathroom? Oh, you mean, oh, we're coming up with two? In the ACC. Like, oh, in the bathroom ACC. sharing. I was thinking about like Mike Leach, like boiling his socks in the living room. Oh uh, yeah, but he's in the SEC, so I don't know. Let me look at the ACC coaches, just so I have them all in, in front of me, and then we'll make a we'll make some funniness. Uh, uh, Pat Narduzzi and Dino Babers, I think, would have have problems living together. <laughs> I'm looking at the list right now. What about Dabo Sweeney and Mario Cristobal? They kill each other. They they would 100 percent kill each other. Like Mario, I think probably has to have. Well, let me just ask you it clean. this way. Which, if you if you were looking for a roommate and you had to 
pick one ACC Dave Clawson. Dave Clawson. Who would be your least favorite person to live with? Well, okay. Without being two, mean, it's it just you the, might not mesh with well, the personality. I'll start with it. The two I, I the two I think I get along with the best as roommates are either Dave Clawson or Tony Elliott. I think I get along very well with either one of them. Well, those guys are the most mild mannered guys in the conference. They're super chill. They're both really yeah. smart, like good conversationalists. Like they probably have wide, varied interests. They, they'd be fun to talk to. Uh, Pat Doozy, I, I feel like, would get mad at you for eating his groceries. I think you get mad for a lot of different things, but then he'd also eat your groceries. Yeah. Cristobal, I think if you didn't like, I, I envision him as a neat freak who, if you are a little bit sloppy, he's going to make your life a living hell. Yeah. I feel like Brent Pry would want to go to the gym too much. And he would actually always want you to come along with him. I'm okay with that. that I'm good with that. Well, Although, now in your new lifestyle, but I, I kind of uh, had that in, in, in college though. Uh, I had two different, my freshman year, I lived in two different dorm rooms. I, I had a triple in, in that was a very tiny room where there were three people. And so naturally I put myself on a list to get out of that as quickly as possible. And so two months later, they moved me across the quad to a different dorm where I, I was in a double. So did you have randos was, though? That first situation? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the guys I lived with in the triple were both really cool. Like this dude from Daytona beach who was learning uh, Japanese and wound up, doing all kinds of business in Japan. And then a 16 year old boy genius from, I can't remember where he was from, Did you but like he was him? very nice. They were both very nice. They were cool. One was super outgoing. The boy genius, like I'd have been terrified at 16 in college as well. Uh, he was at the library most of the time, but both very nice people. I then get but moved. The boy genius. Like usually I would think social awkwardness would come along with that. He wasn't super awkward. He was a nice kid. He just, he was very about his business. Like he was going to get get some stuff done in the classroom. I wonder where he he's going at to library professionally online. right now. I'm sure he's very very successful. But now the the guy I got moved in with, he was uh, the so the girl I dated the first few years of college actually lived on a different floor in the dorm I got moved into. And I remember her telling me before I moved, she's like, "You know there's this guy on the floor that you're moving to. Uh, we just call him the sup you work out guy." Cuz the first two weeks of school, he just walked up to everybody in the dorm. was like, sup, you work out. <laughs> and then did you go to the gym with him ever? It was him. That's who I got paired up with. <laughs> well, I, I, I was on the football team, so I had a gym to go to. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I was going to say your freshman year, I don't think you needed help getting to the gym. Right. I had, I had a gym I was required to go to. Well, I'm sorry. It's voluntary. But but no, but the, the funny part was he never actually worked out. He just asked people if he did. That's bizarre. It was. It was. <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, I think the last person I would want to live with in the ACC is Dabo Sweeney. I just don't think I could match his speed all day. His energy is high. Like, he he's not cutting it. Because... Like you have the coaches who are like juice. I, I'm always bringing the juice. All that's fake. Like Dabo's isn't fake. Like he is that person all day. Dabo is the kind of guy that would like you be just eating Cheerios at the at the table, and he'd like walk out in a bright pink outfit. 
you know, like he did the other day uh, for breast cancer awareness. You know, I was like gonna say, he, it was the ladies clinic and it was for breast cancer awareness. Yeah, but, no, no, I know. I but know what I'm saying, the pink, plus I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying okay. like that would be like he, he comes out and it's like, oh, that's what we're doing today. Yeah. And then like another day he'd be wearing something else. And then another time you'd be just trying to mind your own business in the living room at Thursday at midnight. And he'd sit down and like want to have a really deep conversation about something you didn't want to talk about some of his players and his wife have told me that his playlist is something it's basically jock jams like his his playlist is stuck in 1994 yeah it's like it's like that would you rather that i I think i asked you this before would you rather pay well it's kind of like that it's okay how much money would you pay on a month to avoid every single time you hear music for the rest of your life in any realm or scenario, um, whether you be elevator music, movie theme music, any type of music anywhere, is hey now you're an all star. That's what you hear <laughs> for the rest of your life. Everywhere you go, some you're in an elevator. Told me the world. Yes, and okay. if you're in an elevator and it's and I hear do, 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 you hear hey now you're an all star. If you're watching an action movie. And the big action <laughs> scenes happening, and there's any type of music. Everyone hears all the rumbling and the music and everything. And you hear, "Hey, now it's you're an all." Would you pay five thousand dollars a month for the rest of your life, or would you would you just go absolutely berserk and have your brain <laughs> out of your ears? I think I'd pay up. I don't I think really, there's a, there's an amount of money that if is, I could that I would pay. This is the first not- one of your hypotheticals where I've ended up with less money because <laughs> yeah, I, would. I would I would go insane within. 48 hours? Because I also think that would be the most annoying song in the history of the world to have to hear every day. Nope. Nope. No. There is there is one more annoying. And I'll say it. Hi! Yeah! 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 yeah. <laughs> Your voice just cracked, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said hey! I think I would What's rather listen to that. Hey, now you're an all-star would get you, man. What's up by Four Non Blondes is the worst song ever made. <laughs> I asked somebody, would you rather pay a, a, a $2,000 a month tax out of your paychecks every month for the rest of your life or listen to the Hey Now scenario? And he took the, the Hey Now, and I don't think he really thought that through. No, because you're hearing it everywhere. By the way, my wife just walked in as I was singing Horn on Blondes. Are you, are you still married? Well, no. <laughs> well, the courthouse isn't open, so hopefully she's got she a lot has to think some time to tonight. cool off. Yeah. <laughs> And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Here's the thing for Jim Phillips, uh, because I saw Jim Phillips getting roasted. And I don't think that's entirely fair. Because he's been on the job a year. He didn't negotiate the TV contract he walked into. Mm-hmm. And again, and I, I know I've said this on the show many, many times, but I, I, I cannot stress this enough. After Maryland got poached by the Big Ten, the ACC schools craved security. It is the thing they wanted the most. They did not want to have their conference picked apart by various leagues. And so they went to John Swafford and they said, give us security. And John Swafford made a deal to give them security the problem is the deal that he got them, the the well, he got a deal where he brought, they brought Notre Dame in in in, in all the other sports in the in the five games a year, and then they extended that deal to get the ACC network launched, and that locked them in for twenty years. Yeah, but it which got by the them time they when wanted. they did it is the definition of security, right? It is exactly what they asked for. They didn't say revenue is our number one priority. They said security is our number one priority. And they got security. Yeah. Which, so, you know, I don't know if you go back, if you, you can tell them what happened uh, just now, back when they made that deal, if they would do it again, still would be an interesting thing to kind of. Well, think and, about. and look, the, everything has changed since then. And I, I'm, I'm, I understand that. And, but there were people even 10 years ago saying so that the president of LSU, I think he was talking to the Knight Commission in, I want to say, 2011, and said, at some point, there are only going to be two conferences, Fox and ESPN. Mm-hmm. That was well, floating around Twitter last week. Pretty much what happened. Yeah. So it wasn't like this was out of the blue. There were people predicting it. It's just, it took a while for our Could this our television contract theoretically it. be the thing that saves us from that temporarily? You know, it might be. It might be because, well, the grant of rights that's attached to it. Right. Because if they really can't break it, then 
there might not be anything the SEC or the Big Ten want still out there. Because I, I, I've i come around – because at first I thought, okay, maybe they're waiting to see what happens and, and maybe they'll grab Oregon and Washington. I don't think so. I think they would have already done that if they were going to do that. Mm-hmm. I think they would have done it with USC and UCLA. So now this can all stop, I think, if the Pac-10 schools just decide to stay together. Right. If one or two of them have ideas, then it's And what back are the home. odds that one or two don't have ideas in this current climate? I mean, it, it's hard to not. I, I think they're waiting to find out what the, the TV numbers are from ESPN and Fox. And uh, they're, they're going to see, I, well, it may just be ESPN, but they'll try to figure out where they stand. And if, if they can make what they feel like is enough money from that, then they'll probably stay together. But if the numbers come in lower than they want, then I'm guessing there's a few of them they're going to look around. Right. I don't know what you do there. Cause like, do do you call the ACC? Cause again, I don't, I don't see how that works, but the ACC does have some brands that, that absolutely move the meter. Right. And you've got the Notre Dame thing. Well, right. The fact now. that all those, all those brands are locked in together kind of makes me feel like they're, they're coming at it from a position of strength because they're they're not in danger of losing one or two, right? So if they're not in danger of getting picked off, then they can go 100% on the offensive and see if they can add to their conference. It's like if Miami or Florida State or Clemson just upped and left, that would be devastating. It's yeah. the exact same scenario of what happened to the Pac-12. And if they're right. locked in and that and you can prevent that from happening, I think that's a that's a very interesting uh scenario that gives them time to operate and make the best move and it doesn't have to be now or in a year from now but like you know w- when it becomes time to actually make a move they can do it from a position of strength which i think will be a you know a nice little benefit of that security that you were just describing well that is what jim phillips was saying and he, his point was that they're number three out of 32 division one conferences you know, 10 fbs and then the rest mm-hmm. of the F- fcs but and I guess they're not number three right now. As long as, as long as Texas and Oklahoma are still in the Big Twelve until until they leave, the Big Twelve is number three in revenue. But you know, the ACC could wind up number three. I think the fear for the ACC is is if if there's some amalgamation of the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve that would surpass what they're going to get, then you get really frustrated if you're if you're the yeah. schools that that could be coveted by somebody else. But if you if they can't then you probably still have the best deal you can get. It's still going to suck though. If you're a, especially if you're a school that, that recruits against sec and big 10 schools regularly that, that you got to deal with this, but you kind of know where you're, where you are at least. And, yeah. and what you're, what you're dealing with. Speaking of getting locked in, Ari, we, we got to talk about this. Kirby smart, Georgia head coach, defending national champion head coach. Signs a 10-year, $112.5 million deal. Got to get that point five in there. Yeah, listen, 500 grand is a lot of money. Let's not No, let's no, not I know. Split hairs. The, the point five though, it's, 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 it's funny to me. That's 100 months of not having to hear All-Star for yeah, every Think song. about how many years the rest of his family can go now without having to share a bathroom. <laughs> every generation. His great, 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 great grandson is not gonna have to share a bathroom that's exactly right that's exactly right so 
obviously Kirby Smart is one of the most valuable coaches in college football, but let me ask you this, Ari. That's that James Franklin money. It's Mel Tucker money. Mel Tucker money. He's getting this because of the money Mel Tucker, Brian Kelly, and Lincoln Riley got. It's hilarious. Because he's obviously it's... worth more than them. Yeah. Given no, what I he's know. done. So, but you shouldn't have 10 year deal or a hundred million dollar deal, at least with the current financial system, unless you win a national title, there should be a rule against it. <laughs> like you, you got to stop at 99.9. You want, you, you, can, you want to talk you, about like, you only, you NIL like and, yeah, you can only guarantee 75% of it. <laughs> no coach can be ha- to have a guaranteed hundred million dollar contract. If they haven't won a conference championship, um, that's Mel Tucker, right? And then James Franklin's won the Big Ten, so maybe you can even say national title. But like that's what you pay your coach when he brings you your school the first national championship since 1980. That's the reward for go? that. I mean, I, I guess you want to reward him and you want to make sure he knows that he's appreciated. Where was he going to go? I don't know. You never know. <laughs> that's the part of the, the the bidding against themselves part is is what amazes me a lot of and then and then of course they say well there's no money to pay the players or there's there's no money to do this or we're gonna have to cut sports no you don't have to what was his previous contract do you know off the top of your head uh he was making quite a bit of money i believe he was making seven i still think he was i still think that he was a top six paid coach in america wasn't he he was yeah he he was like seven and a half or eight million a year he was he was up there so so i mean that is an interesting thought like why why uh pay that money if he doesn't have if you're not a threat to leave you know well and he's, about, it's not though, like he's like vastly underpaid well like the mel tucker thing i think there was obviously there was fear that lsu would come after him this year but i think that it, right it, and i also think they were looking at it as we don't want every time an sec job comes open that we're looking over our shoulder right so they they made sure they're not now He's got to earn that. He's got to make sure he keeps earning it. And but, I'll be the first to say that the recruiting results have improved pretty remarkably. It's been a dry few months, but you know it's been it's been much better than it's been. Well, and here's the other part of it: he articulated a vision to them. He seems to be taking all the steps toward, yeah, achieving that vision. And paying for that plan is at least you know having that plan. Right. Right. So. I, I'm not I don't have a huge problem with any of these guys getting what they get. It's it is the market. I just have a problem when they say the market's good for this particular set of people, but not this other particular set of people. And yeah. they seem to be getting over that now, which uh, I'm okay with. Yeah. But that the the Mel Tucker thing I, it it's this they want they they were paying for that security, which I guess this is going to be a common theme, and maybe it always has been a common theme in college football. Is security costs a lot. Yeah. Every single time you're you have a coach who has shown pretty solid uh, early returns that you're afraid you're going to lose gets a hundred mil now. Well, how much? Okay, how much does Lincoln Riley moving and and Brian Kelly moving change the way you think about who is unmovable? A lot. I mean, the reason why Lincoln Riley's story when he went to USC was so huge was because every single discussion that we had about USC's new coach before Clay Elton got fired, we was like, well, who are they going to get? Remember, that was that used to be a thing. Like, who are they going to get? Like, whenever we were talking about Michigan, 
and Jim Harbaugh. Well, if they fire him, who are they going to get? Who are they going like, to get? Go find another established coach that has been to the playoff three times and pay him a lot and get him. Because like that was like the first time in a long time. I mean, before that happened, who was the last coach that kind of was established and left a program in the middle of a really good run to coach another place? Like I can't oh, even you, think of you one. Threw it, you threw it in the middle of a really good run. I was going to say Jimbo Fisher, but that last yeah, year. Yeah, no, I know. But like, I mean, Lincoln back. Riley was in the thick of the build there. I mean, they were yeah. they were making the playoff every single year and recruiting quarterbacks at a very high level. And it was like the next step there was supposed to be to win a national title. Next thing you know, he's bolting to a place he's got to build back up again. It was insane. And I mean it like in a good way. Like it was I just we didn't even consider that to be a possibility. So, so if does, if does a coach mean, but like Mel mean, Tucker's not that. No, but somebody might think he could be. No, I know, but who who is available? Who's coaching in the middle of a good run right now that could be available? Like if, if Nick Saban were to retire next year, is Alabama gonna go hire Ryan Day? Like, I mean, like who, well, who maybe now, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I'm, it didn't even occur to me that Lincoln Riley was a candidate. Right. And so I think that means we're not far off from the first $15 million a year coach. And I, I think it, it changes what the next hiring cycle is going to feel like, because then it's going to be how, how that's many, a fun game though. Which coach right now falls under the Lincoln Riley cat? Like which who's Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma right now that could be on the pecking or on the uh, on the uh, woomy block that would actually leave. Right. We always say Matt Campbell, but that I mean, it's still not quite what Lincoln was. Right, exactly. So this is this would be somebody. But who Brian won... Kelly's also in that category too, though, right? Right, exactly. So it, it's happened so, twice in the same offseason after like it never happening I mean. before. Yeah. I was talking about this with somebody today. I think we were talking about it relative to the Auburn job because if Auburn opens, you've spent all this money. Hell, it happened with Mario Cristobal, too, in the same offseason. Sorry, it, it happened did. three times. It did. Yeah. It did. Now, the Mario Cristobal one made more sense because this is all modern. It's his hometown, that, that sort of thing. Right. But, but leaving Oregon in the middle of the field. Exactly. Talking. Yeah. Exactly. So who would, who would it be who has been successful, who – can be gotten because like we always bring up James Franklin, but he just signed a contract that makes him pretty un unattainable. Yeah. Um, and so did Mel Tucker. <laughs> so, so it's just like, I mean, Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, but I don't think he's unmovable. I think there, there've been times where he could have been moved if, if the right place had opened or, or the right circumstance. Yeah. Mark Stoops. We, we always talk about him. I think there, there are circumstances he'd move for. Matt, uh, Matt Campbell, we talked. What about Dave Aranda? That's another one. Now, Dave Aranda, and if you, heard, if you haven't listened to the Dave Aranda episode of this podcast yet, it ran, I believe, in early April. I met Go him for the first time last week. What an interesting dude. Fascinating guy. Yeah. I, I, I'm hesitant to predict anything about him or say that he might do this or might do that because he just does not think on the same wavelength. It's not... As Even talking coaches. about football, look, I have a conversation with him last week, and he's like a very soft talker and a very like, you know, I don't know that I've ever met a coach like him before. I, I definitely haven't. And so I don't like I. But I, Baylor's I, I a defending Big 12 champ. Right. And, and Baylor, Baylor's perceived to be a stepping stone job to some though. Right. Like these other people left destination jobs. Yeah. Is and, Oregon and Baylor, a destination job? To Oregon it is, but the last two coaches have left for jobs that they consider bigger. 
Yeah. Now but Notre Dame coaches were guys from right? hundred percent. And so is Oklahoma. hundred percent. So maybe even Mario doesn't fall into that category, but I'm just thinking like who has a destination job who could bolt? Well, like Ryan Day, I don't think he'd go anywhere. I, I didn't think Lincoln Riley would go anywhere. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, it's like nobody's safe anymore. But I don't think that's an excuse to pay a coach who hasn't won a conference championship $100 million. Probably not. Unless you unless you are sure he's the one who's going to bring you that championship or multiple championships. Yeah. Paul Christ? It's tough. It's his alma mater. Not sure he wants to go anywhere. Paul Christ, the next head coach of Alabama. <laughs> Kirk Ferentz? <laughs> If Paul Christ was the head coach of any other program, would he be as successful? Or was he just put on earth to be Wisconsin's head coach? He was pretty good at Pitt. Like, I'm just trying to think, like, if he got a bigger job, like, would he be a, could he coach a playoff team? I don't know. I think, I think he, he's in the right, he's in this sweet spot, I think, where he is. Lane now, Kiffin, I feel like, would be one, but he's expected to bolt. Right. And I also think he might be in his sweet spot. Because I'm not sure Lane is as maniacal rec- uh, as a recruiter, or maniacal of a recruiter as, say, Nick Saban or Kirby Smart. Yeah, there's nobody. I'm looking through all the coaches. Right, there's nobody. It's like unless Dabo Ryan... left Clemson for Alabama, like everybody's been prophesizing for the last. Yeah, 10 and years, I don't think he'd I don't know do if that's that. Happen. So I just, I just don't think he'd do it. Well, I guess now it, it the SEC ACC difference, but I've always been of the mind that he wouldn't do that because. Why try to be the next Nick Saban or the next Bear Bryant when he is the he's the first Dabo Sweeney? He's the guy yeah. who made yeah. Clemson what it is. But maybe maybe if the disparity between the two leagues gets that stark, and then you you have a different outlook on those things. Like I think Dave Clawson's a very good coach. I, I don't know. I, I know he would probably be very picky about where he goes because I don't think he wants to go to a school that is just a pure football factory. I think he'd want to go to a high academic school, but maybe maybe one that that also cares about football. But uh, he might not. I mean, they've invested so much money at Wake Forest. He's got a really good situation there. Mike Gundy? Well, he's tried or he's flirted. I don't know. I'm not sure how much of that was was actually being interested in going somewhere else and how much of that was was trying to get a little more money out of Oklahoma State, which worked most times. Yeah. And there's just and, certain and, coaches that have been to, been at places for so long that it feels like they're one and the same. I it's hard to envision him anywhere else. Here here's the Gundy thing that he is the modern day Bill Snyder. Right. And I realized the actual Bill Snyder didn't retire that long ago. Mm-hmm. But when when I did that cost per win story, Oklahoma State was right behind Kansas State. They were the most efficient spending football programs in the country. And we know that Bill Snyder is a miracle worker. I would argue that Mike Gundy might be as well because he also tucks in his t-shirts. Hey, listen, he he wears a mullet unironically. He's just a different cat. Yeah, but he's he's good at what he does. He understands what the program needs to be. He built an identity for it. I heard him talking the other day on the radio about not wanting to change the language of the offense. The last time they changed. Think about this. The last time they changed the language of the offense is when they brought in Dana Holgerson as the offensive coordinator in 2010. Every wow. offensive coordinator since has been, you come in, you learn what we do, 
we're not retraining the players. We're going to retrain you. And then you're going to call it what they know it's called. And it's worked. Yeah, no, I like it. The so, coach is getting paid too, right? So exactly. So yeah, I, I don't know who else it would be. I mean, it doesn't if, exist. Mac Brown's Leach, gonna flip over to, to yeah Oregon. Well, what if Leach had a huge year at Mississippi State? Would somebody hire him? Yeah, but I think that the thing about it is that like, you know, what would be interesting is that if somebody got Marcus Freeman to leave Notre Dame. Well, I think there's only one school. Yeah. And it would be a school that you could understand leaving Notre Dame for. Yeah. That would be his alma mater, Ohio State. Because we're talking about destination. Uh, remember, destination he's, only coached, jobs. he's only coached one game at Notre Dame. So let's just, let's not yeah. have him leaving quite yet. No, I know. I'm just saying like that. I mean, I feel like if we're trying to, to do surprising moves from destination jobs to other program, like it's like, I don't know that Mike Leach falls under that category because Mississippi State's just not a, a destination. It's job. not. Well, there, there's only there's so few destination jobs now. And two that, people did it in the same offseason. It's insane. Right. Exactly. So, like, I don't I don't see Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan for another college job. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to the NFL. That that didn't happen. So I don't I don't see that. James Franklin is now contractually bound to Penn State. He ain't going anywhere. Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Why would he go anywhere? I would assume his next move is retirement whenever that is. And that may be 20 years from now, but whenever that is. Jimbo Fisher not going anywhere and he's got a boatload of money coming in. Right. And he's, you know, actually he doesn't have a buyout, right? He could just go if he wanted to. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I can't, I can't imagine him picking up and leaving Texas A&M while they're happy with him. Uh, Yeah. I maybe, maybe last coaching cycle will just be the weird one that we talk about 50 years from now and say can you believe that happened yeah i don't know if it was precedent setting i think it was just odd but it it will change how i feel going into this like okay if these salaries get uh, another question if we're talking about a school being willing to pay 11 or 12 million dollars a year for a head coach or more could you nab a sitting nfl head coach Maybe because they don't all like, I, I would imagine Belichick makes more than that. Probably McVay makes. Would more you than rather that. be the head coach of Ohio state or would you rather be the head coach of the Panthers? <sighs> Ohio state's a more stable job. I mean, the, the thing that you have to consider is that most people who are in the NFL don't want to recruit. That's true. But if you don't know that you're going to be, really successful in the NFL and you think in two years you might get fired. Wouldn't you consider going to a very stable college football program that can pay you a buttload of money? It's like Mike Tomlin is, uh, is Nick Saban's successor. Bad example. Well, actually, okay. Alabama, maybe Alabama might be able to, I don't think, I I don't think Mike Tomlin wants to recruit and, and Mike Tomlin also random example. Yeah. I know. know, I don't, I wouldn't want, I don't know that I'm sure they could nab a coach that is kind of batting 500 and wins and losses in the NFL and might get fired in a year and a half. I'm talking about like getting a guy who's successful in the league that would just, I I was going to say, what about like a wild card level coach, just the bottom of the playoffs? But are any college jobs bigger than NFL jobs? Kingsbury's already had a college job. 
Well, but are there are any they... college jobs that are bigger than NFL jobs? Well, I would argue that the, the the ones we call destination jobs, I think they're bigger than the Jags job. I think they're bigger than probably the one the the, the franchises that that don't make the playoffs regularly that, that are not run very well. I think I think a, a destination college job is better than that. Yeah, I'm trying to think like is the Buffalo Bills job better than the Alabama job? It is now because you got Josh Allen. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's it. like Jags and Panthers is a good example. Um, I'm trying to think of the other NFL teams that are just kind of. And the there. Panthers have an owner now who's willing to spend a ton of money, and maybe that changes things. But it, you know, it hasn't been all sunshine and roses for Matt Rule, that's for sure. So, I mean, they're all pretty big. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, the like Titans, the Colts, the Colts, Colts? Frank Reich. Now, Frank Reich, he's offensive coordinator on a Super Bowl team. I would, would he be one? I don't know that he he's never coached in college, so I, I can't imagine him recruiting. But like when Dan Quinn coached the Falcons, I always thought he would make a great college head coach. Would you he's rather a, be the head? Yeah, he's a he'd be a, he was a tremendous in his brief time at Florida. He he reeled in like two or three first rounders. Yeah, where he was the primary recruiter. Well, oh, man, would you rather be the head coach of the Lions or the LSU Tigers? Dan Campbell at LSU would be fun. Now, Dan Campbell is an A&M guy, so he probably goes back to, to A&M. But. Yeah. I'm just trying to come up with funny scenarios because I'm like looking at no, I, Well, the Lions are a great example. I mean, do we think the Lions will ever get it right? I'm not sure they will. Would you rather be the head coach of Notre Dame or the Cleveland Browns? Notre Dame. So there are a few. Yeah. There are a few. It just but seems like, like it's it just seems like it's bigger time. Like I don't well, know if the, it just it's just like if you're the head coach of an NFL franchise, I just feel like that is the pinnacle of the coaching profession. It is because those are the best players. It's the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. It's and the college job is very different. The college job is about who you can talk into coming to play for you. I also have no knowledge whatsoever of how much an NFL coach gets paid. It's so the really good NFL head coaches probably make more than, than or make as much or more as the best college coaches, but the okay NFL head coaches are not making Kirby smart money. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying at a certain point, does school just say, look, we think you're, yeah, let's say not a not an NFL coach who has won a Super Bowl or, or was even taking a team to a Super Bowl. Like, well, Zach Taylor, it's a good example. Do you know what Bill Belichick's salary is? This has it been reported? Uh, what I just found. What'd you find? Um, he probably makes more than Saban and, and Kirby for sure. He is apparently the highest paid coach uh, in the country, and he makes eighteen million. He's also the GM. So, yeah. Pete Carroll's 14 million a year and Sean Payton was making 14 million a year. Okay, so the, those guys are making more. I don't I don't think Zach Taylor would have been. I doubt Cliff Kingsbury makes more than than the highest paid college coaches. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury probably makes as much as uh James Franklin did before the extension though. Probably. I would think so. And that's a pretty nice jump for the Texas Tech guy. Well, and he doesn't Handsome. have to recruit. 
Yeah. Very handsome. But he, he doesn't have to recruit. So, that, yes, I think it's a, it's a lifestyle situation for the most part. But I do wonder if the dollar figures get up high enough, will they be able to pry somebody loose from an NFL team? Yeah. Because they're, they're getting up there. Has that happened before? It, I'm sure it's happened. I, I, I'm trying to think. Didn't NFL coach who's currently the head coach of, of a franchise who's not fired leaves voluntarily to become the head coach of a college program? I can't think of it. Did Bill? I'm trying to remember if Bill Curry had an NFL head coaching job. One of the Alabama coaches after Bear Bryant, but I think left for an NFL, left Alabama for an NFL job. Yeah. Maybe Ray Perkins. It's like I know that Saban went back to college, but that was after he got fired. Well, no, he didn't get fired at Miami. He just left. So does that so that's the answer? Yeah. Yeah. That would be the last one. Yes. That's definitely the last one. Um Ray Perkins left the New York Giants to become the Alabama coach. And then he became the Bucks coach after he left Alabama. Oh, yeah. Nick Saban didn't get fired. It was the whole Drew Brees thing. Yes. Yeah, so, well, it, yeah. Yeah. If they, if they had passed Drew, Drew Brees in the physical and, and traded for him, then Nick Saban is probably still in the NFL. And Dude, said, I bet you he Super Bowls. He would. He would. Wow. I forgot about that. That's crazy, dude. So Ray Perkins left yeah. the Giants to become the Alabama head coach. Do you know who replaced him? No. Bill Parcells. That worked out okay. It worked out all right. Yeah. Also the greatest nickname in coaching history. The tuna. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to share a bathroom with him either. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd ever want to share a bathroom who has a nickname of a fish. <laughs> I think that we need to have like our podcast rules to live by. Never complain about free food. Never complain about free beer. Never share a bathroom with someone whose nickname is a fish. Yeah. Never play cards with somebody with a tattoo of a skeleton on their body. Never skull. play. Never play pool with someone named after a state. <laughs> what, what movie is that from do you know what I, it's uh, the color of money uh, i can't remember what it is i'm gonna have to find that for the podcast is over he says uh oh i think it's from uh fast times at richmond high maybe i think you might be right I th yeah it's one of those older movies it was funny oh no it's teen wolf oh you're right you're right yeah okay. teen wolf uh that, that, that funny coach uh yeah well We'll, we'll come up with some more of those. Maybe we'll make a t-shirt one day. We should have but, a podcast in the next few months that is just like our rules to live by. College football, one college football rule for every personal rule. Well, I, I we did this on the, the radio show I did with Jason Horowitz on SiriusXM. We had a few. We called them like the commandments of college football. And the first one I did was Ohio State is always good. Yeah, that's a good one. All yeah. right, so I found the advice from... Coach uh, Bobby Finstock from Teen Wolf. Oh, thank you. Here you go. Never get less than 12 hours sleep. <laughs> never play poker with a guy whose first name is the city. Oh, and never get go. involved with a woman who's got a tattoo of a dagger on her body. If you stick to, <laughs> if you stick to these, then everything else is cream cheese. <laughs> I think that's enough. I think we, we, we've got you loaded up for your weekend now. He's, he's chewing gum, like as he's saying it all cool. Yeah. Oh.
We'll be back next week. We've got a preview Big Twi- Big Ten Media Days. Scott Dockerman will be joining us. I uh, got a, a very fun interview with ESPN's Laura Rutledge that you're going to hear next week. It's going to be a big time. Thank you so much for listening. It's talking season, which means we're almost to playing season. Strap in, everybody. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.